0: about how we are to live in this world God so loves. Athanasius was an early church father and he said that most of scriptures speak to us but the Psalms are different. The Psalms speak for us. And there is perhaps no better illustration of that sentiment than Psalm 22, which we're about to read. But as we turn to scripture, I want to pray, and this is a prayer based on an old hymn, which seems especially appropriate for the 22nd Psalm. So let us pray together. Come Holy Ghost, our souls inspire and lighten us with your celestial fire. For if you are with us, then nothing else matters. And if you are not with us, then nothing else matters. Be with us, we pray. In the name of your beloved, amen. I'm going to read the 22nd Psalm and I'll read through verse 21 if you're following along. So listen now to what the Spirit is saying to our church this day. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our ancestors trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not human, scorned by others and despised by the people All who see me mock me. They sneer at me. They shake their heads. Commit your cause to the Lord. Let him deliver. Let him rescue the one in whom he delights. Yet it was you who took me from the womb. You kept me safe on my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth. And since my mother bore me, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls encircle me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My mouth is dried up like a pot and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs are all around me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They bound my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far away. Oh, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Why? Why? Such a simple question, isn't it? The ability to ask that simple question is part of what sets us humans apart from other species. Chimpanzees can be curious, but they don't ask why. A chimp may notice a sound and curiously follow it, but the chimp wouldn't spend time trying to connect cause and effect. Hunting down the sound would be enough to satisfy the chimp's curiosity. A human, on the other hand, is more likely to want more information once they figure out where the sound is coming from. How is the sound being made? Can the sound be changed? Why is it so loud or so soft? Asking why is what follows a human's curiosity. And think about how quickly we learn this question. Ooh, sorry. Two-year-old toddlers begin asking why incessantly as they plod around trying to make sense of the world. Because even a toddler can notice that cause and effect are linked. And so they start asking. The door screeches when I shut it, why? The dog stays close to me when I have food, why? The rattle jingles when I shake it, why? My sister yells when I bite her, why? Their curiosity pushes them towards answers. Why, 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 they demand to know. And as we grow, the curiosity remains, but our questions get more complex. Why am I good at math, but bad at spelling? Why does everyone laugh at YouTube videos of people falling off their bikes? Why doesn't a flower as beautiful as a calla lily have a scent? Why does Jim seem to get all the best jobs? Why are there wars? Why do some parents have to endure the agony of burying a child? Why do people get cancer? Why can't we do something to keep our children safe at school? Why is our nation so divided? Why is there so much suffering in our world? Why, why, why? It's the most human question. And for people of faith, it is the question that eventually gets pointed toward God. Why did this happen? Praying the prayers of this community week after week makes me want to ask why more often than not. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there senseless illness and tragedy and suffering in our community, why? And at some point or another, when you're the one suffering, the question evolves from why do bad things happen to good people into why do bad things happen to me? Or in the psalmist's words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't think this is helping the microphone, so I'm going to take it off. (laughs) This is... Can we switch to the pulpit? Thank you. Um, This is how we know that the psalmist is speaking for us. His question is no different than our question. Why? In our suffering, in the world's tumult, in God's silence, we can't help but to ask questions. Because we are human, we want to know why. And because we are only human, we cannot know why. But the good news for us is that faith doesn't begin with why. Having an answer to why bad things happen is not a requirement of our faith. It's not even a task of our faith because the Christian faith begins with when bad things happen. In a world that fell from grace a long time ago, brokenness, illness, tragic endings are a fact of life, inevitable, universal, unavoidable. And that means that the question for us is not why bad things happen, but can God be trusted when they do? Should we hope again? Can we live again? And if so, how? What most of us know of Psalm 22 is the agonizing, gut-wrenching question at the start, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the question that Jesus painfully wails from the cross. In his final moments, he asks why? If you ever doubted his humanity, let this be your sign that he too was fully human. I've long appreciated this harrowing moment in scripture because it feels like permission to hold God accountable, to summon God, to act on our behalf, to wail out honestly in our pain. It's this psalm that affirms for me that nothing is off limits when it comes to our relationship with God. And if that were to be the only thing we appreciated about this psalm, it would be enough. Quite frankly, until this week, I hadn't spent time with this entire psalm. I have fixated on that opening question and the psalmist pain in the verses that we read together, and I haven't ever moved beyond that. But as I read this entire psalm aloud every day this week, thinking about worship this morning, it occurred to me for the first time that in Jesus' day, it was common for parents to teach their children the psalms. They learned the rhythm of the opening verses just like the opening chords to a hymn so that when someone recited the first line, the children would know which psalm it was and they could join in and recite the rest. So if I say, the Lord is my shepherd, you'd say, I shall not want. And then you'd go on and say the rest. The Psalms were meant to be recited. And it only took those first few words to cue in the community about which psalm it was that you were inviting them to say together. And I can't believe I hadn't thought about this before because all of a sudden it changed how I've envisioned that scene of Jesus on the cross. Just imagine him hanging there, his body getting limper and limper, the sun beaming down, him being in excruciating pain, knowing that his life is measured in minutes. And somehow, he musters the breath to cry out the first words of this psalm, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And just imagine what happened next. Mary his mother. Mary Magdalene, Salome, the mother of the sons of Zebedee, all these women who had taught the Psalms to their children and were standing at the foot of the cross, joined in probably, and recited the 22nd Psalm. Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? They would have joined in. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but find no rest. Don't you know this was the cry on their hearts, too? A mother watching a child breathe her last? Those who had nurtured Jesus and risked everything to follow him, watching the one who was supposed to save him die in plain sight? Jesus wasn't the only person who felt forsaken by God in that moment. I am sure of that. Just imagine that they did what would have been customary and recited the entire psalm. The psalm begins with why, that human question, why do bad things happen? Why is God nowhere to be found But this psalm ultimately asks and answers the better question. The question for us people of faith, which is, can God be trusted when bad things happen? Listen to how the psalm ends. From the horns of the wild oxen, you have rescued me. I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard me when I cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nation shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord. And he rules over the nations. To him, indeed, shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow down all who go out to the dust, and I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that he has done it. Nothing... Can lessen the horror of an innocent man hanged to death by the state. Nothing can lessen the horror of his mother watching him die. But maybe, just maybe, Mary and the other women were with her were reciting these words when Jesus had no breath left to spare. Maybe the last words Jesus heard before his death were not his own, asking, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Maybe the last words Jesus heard before his death were the answer to that question we all want to know, can God be trusted when bad things happen? Even now. Maybe as he breathed his last, his mother was right there at the foot of the cross, reciting the answer that they both needed to hold on to. Maybe she was right there, saying, From the horns of the wild oxen you have rescued me. For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard me when I cried to him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn. Can God be trusted when bad things happen? Isn't that what Jesus really needed to know as he hung on the cross? Isn't that what Mary really needed to know as she watched her son die? Isn't that what we really need to know when we see our children suffer? Isn't that what we need to know when wars and tragedies strike? Isn't that what we need to know when a diagnosis comes out of the blue? Isn't that what we need to know when depression and anxiety and grief constrict our hearts? Isn't that what we need to know when we bury those we love the most in this world? Can God be trusted even now? He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn. God can be trusted, the psalmist tells us. God has delivered us before, and surely he will do it again. As Jesus breathed his last, as Mary endured the most unimaginable grief a parent could face, the answer to the only question worth asking in our suffering came to them both. He did not hide his face, but heard me when I cried to him. Yes, God can be trusted, even now. A couple weeks ago, I talked about memorizing the 23rd Psalm, but after this week, I think this is the Psalm that I will teach Harris, because I want him to know that he can cry out to God in his suffering, and I want him to know, without a doubt, that God can be trusted when bad things happen. There is nothing too horrific, no suffering too deep, no despair, too wide to be off limits from God's redemption. Because God is so committed to being a God of life that God enters our God-forsakenness to transform it into God-blessedness. That's the story of this psalm. That's the story of the cross. That's the story of our faith. Thanks be to God. Amen. Go out into God's world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak.
1: Help the suffering.
0: Honor all persons. Love and serve the Lord. Rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you go, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power of the Spirit bless you and keep you this day and always, always. Amen.